Thank you for joining us. Remember, you can watch our services live and view our archive at StevensCreekChurch.com, the Stevens Creek app, or on our Roku channel. And if our ministries have touched your life, we'd love to hear about it. Send us an email to mystory@stevenscreekchurch.com. We hope today's message encourages and inspires you. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning and welcome to Stevens Creek Church. We're so glad that you're here today. I'd like to welcome all those watching online, those in our Grovetown campus, those in our South campus. I'm so glad that you're here. It's a wonderful day, beautiful day to be at the creek. And then uh, I'll tell you, and we're going to be celebrating baptism at the end of the service. But, you know, I like to start with something funny. Mr. Green was peering over his fence, and he noticed the neighbor's little boy had dug a big hole and was filling in with dirt. He said, hey, Jimmy, he said, what are you doing over here? He said, with tears coming down his eyes. He said, oh, my goldfish died, and I just buried it. He said, man, that's a big hole for a little goldfish. He said, well, he's in your cat. (laughs) (laughs) So how many of you are cat lovers? Any cat lovers in the house? I got a few. I'll tell you, my parents were cat lovers to the point where Sometimes I feel like that they love their cats more than their kids. The problem with that is when they transitioned to the assisted living, um, they left me their cats. Now, Patty is not a cat lover, and and it was evident because I came home and there was a big hole in the backyard (laughs) with Patty with a shovel. Not really. But she did say this, it's either the cats or me, you get to choose. (laughs) That's the truth. And I had to pay somebody $300 to take those felines. (laughs) Well, let's let's move on. (laughs) Because if I keep on, I'll just get deeper and deeper in trouble. You ever notice that? Sometimes it's just easy just to stop talking. Change the subject because uh, you'll have to pay for it later on. Well, today we're continuing our series called The Elephant in the Room. And the phrase elephant in the room uh, is that phrase we use when we talk about something that everybody's thinking about, but nobody's willing to say it, especially when it comes to church. And so we've been tackling that ever-increasing subject of mental health. According to the CDC, uh, they estimate that 50% of all Americans will have some sort of mental crisis at some point in their lives. Whether it's that eighth grader going through middle school, or maybe it is that young mom with the little toddlers, or maybe it's that, that person going through midlife and trying to figure out their purpose, or maybe it's those dealing with the problems of aging. You will see people struggle along the way. Over the past few years, we've seen the struggle of anxiety and depression and addiction increase exponentially. We all see it. We all see the effects it has on people. And so today, I want to just open up the pages of Scripture and deal with one of the most challenging subjects, and that is the subject of depression. When it comes to depression, most of us have this idea what depression is all about. The textbooks would tell us that it is uh, persistent sadness and there's a lack of interest in a previously enjoyable 
um, circumstance or activities. And we know this, that depression hits all of us at times. And it hits people in different ways. There are times that people are so depressed they can't sleep. Or maybe they can't concentrate. Or maybe it affects the way they interact with friends and family members. But we know this. Depression is hard to handle and it's hard to manage. It makes you feel like uh, it comes on us, especially that your life is uh, in a deep and a dark place. Well, today I want to look at the story of Elijah and see how God brought him through a season of depression. It was one of the darkest times in Elijah's life. You may know the story. Elijah was one of the most famous and the most powerful prophets in all of the Old Testament. In fact, many people would look at Elijah and he was kind of like an Old Testament rock star for sure. At one point in his life, the power of God was so uh, on him that he went to punish a group of people for their evil works in the kingdom. And he said, there will be no more rain. He called for a drought and sure enough, For the next three and a half years, it didn't rain. Another time we see where Elijah took a call for a dead little boy to come back to life, and he came back to life. The prophet Elijah knew God's power like no one else. But it's interesting, when we open up the scriptures to 1 Kings chapter 19, we see this powerful prophet at rock bottom. Now, give you a little context. There was an evil queen named Jezebel, and her husband was Ahab. And Jezebel had false uh, prophets, 450 of them. And Elijah challenged those uh, 450 prophets and also 400 prophets of Baal to a duel on top of Mount Carmel. And he said, whatever God wins, that's the God we're going to serve. And those false prophets cried out all day long, but their God couldn't answer. And in one prayer, God, uh, Elijah's prophet, uh, came down and uh, met the need and destroyed the enemies. And I'll tell you, when Jezebel heard about that, she was furious. And she blamed all of it on Elijah. And she said, I'll tell you, I'm going to kill him. And she put out a, uh, a death threat on him. This death threat came when Elijah heard about it. It scared him. He was so afraid that he just took off running. Elijah was so afraid that he was running through the desert, ran all day through the desert. And by the end of the day, he was, he was worn out. He was exhausted, and he found refuge under a juniper tree. And while he is sitting there, he became so depressed that he prayed that God would take his life. Here we see this man, Elijah, this incredible man of faith, one of the great heroes of the Bible. He was a miracle worker, but he became so depressed that he was willing to give up. Think about that. He had just defeated 400 prophets of Baal, 450 prophets of Asherah, this extreme high moment in his life, and now he's depressed. You know, depression often comes on the heels of a spiritual high. This past week, uh, several of our staff members 
I went to a conference at Church of the Highlands in Birmingham, and it, is, uh, it was one of those uh, memorable times where you just drink in from God's Word all day long. And it was uh, one of those seasons or times that you leave that place just on a spiritual high. I mean, you're just up there. So the last session, I walked out of the building. Man, I am just excited, thrilled about what I've experienced, thrilled about the opportunities here at Stevens Creek and what God's going to do. I walked out of that session. I open up my phone. I see one text message, one negative text message that make, made me feel like I'd lost the battle. Have you ever seen, had that? I mean, just one little text, it, just one text message that you're up here and just one little thing can cause you to crash. Oftentimes, when you reach a milestone or maybe you attain some type of goal in your life or maybe you've even received an answer to a prayer, we experience this excitement and this exhilaration. We experience this joy. And very practically, we experience this joy, this high place, and even if we're not attacked, we can only sustain that that level only for a certain period of time. Eventually, you're going to come down because there's nowhere else to go but down. And so here we see Elijah, he had experienced this high up on Mount Carmel, but now he's under a juniper tree and he is uh, depressed and he is discouraged and he felt like his life was over. An angel appeared to him. He was sleeping at this point underneath the juniper tree, and the angel appeared to him and woke him up. And now usually in Scripture, when an angel appears, you're going to see something miraculous take place. You're going to see uh, some kind of miracle. Maybe you'll see a lion's mouth close, or maybe you'll see the, the Red Sea begin to part, or maybe you'll see something spectacular like that take place, but not in this case. In this case, Elijah woke up and saw this angel, and the angel said to him, get up and eat. And he looked over, and there were some uh, coals of fire, and there was bread being baked on the coals of fire, and there was a bottle of water, and he got up and he ate. He drank the water. After that, he laid down and went back to sleep. After a few hours, the angel woke him up again and said, get up and eat, and he got up and ate some more. We pick it up and 1 Kings 19 and verses 8 and following. So he got up and he ate and drank. He was strengthened by that food. And he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. Now, I've only been in a few caves in my life, but I know this, that caves are dark in dark places where things are hidden, there's nothing life-given in a cave. And if you stay in a cave long enough, you'll become disoriented. It will dull your senses. There's no better depiction of depression. There's no better description of uh, depression than going into a cave. Some of you know what it feels like because you're in a cave. You've lost your sense of purpose. You've lost your joy. You've lost your contentment. You're in a cave. 
And as much as you want to find your way out, as much as you want to move on from this very, very difficult season, you feel like you are doomed. But hear me today, you are not doomed. Hear me today, you're not doomed. There's a cave, but there is a calling. Elijah was in that cave, and God called him. Verse 9, it says, And the word of the Lord came to him. And the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? Now, it doesn't say Elijah came to the Lord. It says God's word came to him. God's word called him out. And that is what is going to happen to some of you today. God's word is going to call you out of the darkness. God's word is going to call you out of your discouragement. God's word is going to call you out of your depression. And I'm sure some of you are saying, oh, it's so dark. I I, I don't know if I can see him. I can't see God at this point. You don't need to see it. You just need to hear him. Faith comes by hearing. Freedom comes by hearing. Healing comes by hearing. Joy comes by hearing. Despite your feelings, despite your pain, despite your despair, just follow the voice of the Lord. And you'll come out of that cave. Step by step, Elijah followed God's direction and he walked out of the cave. Over the next few minutes, I want to give you four, I want to give you four things that you can do to come out of your season of struggle. Four things that you can do to help you come out of this season of struggle. Here's the first thing. I want you to do something. Do something. I want you to do something to regain control of your life. In 1 Kings 19, we see Elijah dealt with his emotions. In fact, there were six different kinds of emotions that Elijah was dealing with. He was, uh, there was fear, and there was loneliness, and there was desperation. There was a low self-esteem, and there was exhaustion, and there was anger. If you were to put these emotions together, this becomes a recipe for depression. But it's interesting, as God deals with Elijah, he doesn't begin Elijah's recovery by dealing with the emotional factors that he was wrestling with. Instead, he began with the physical factors. It's hard to control your feelings when you're physically exhausted. When you're physically exhausted, when you're physically tired, you're going to become discouraged. If we could take a poll across our campuses today, I think we would all be surprised of how many people at Stevens Creek are sleep deprived. I mean, if you've got a young toddler, you need more sleep. No doubt about it. If, if you um, are a medical student, you need more sleep. If you are in shift work, you never get enough sleep. If you binge Netflix, you never get enough sleep. Just one more show. Don't you hate it? You watch that one episode and they leave you with a cliffhanger. Sometimes Patty and I, well, we got to watch five minutes of the next episode just so that we know where it's going. 
And then we go through it again. And you have to really be careful on that. But you see this. There's this um, across the church. People are sleep deprived. And when you're tired, if you're running on empty physically, eventually you're going to be running on empty emotionally and even spiritually. And this can lead you to a cave of darkness. But today... God is calling you. God is calling you to come out of the cave. God is calling you to come out of the cave. Elijah had been running hard, not eating well, not sleeping enough, and he was tired, and he was worn out, and he was hungry. And at this point in his life, uh, Elijah didn't need a miracle. He just needed some sleep. Sometimes when we are weary, it is not a spiritual problem, but it is a physical problem. Elijah needed to take care of himself. And that may be a word for some of you today. You need to take care of yourself. You need to watch and see how you're living your life. And you need to adjust it. And maybe that's the one thing that you need to do to regain control of your life. Some of you don't need a prayer line, but you need to look at the pace of your life. The most spiritual thing you can do is to take a breather, enter into God's rest, and regain control of the way that you are living. So let me ask you a question. What is that one thing you're going to do? I want you to do something. I want you to do something different today that would help you to move forward and come out of the cave you're in. I said there's four things from, from this story. Here's the second thing. I want you to re-engage spiritually. I want you to re-engage spiritually. I want you to surrender your will, and I want you to surrender your life to the Lord. Because there are some of you today that you know what it means for your life to become unmanageable, and you feel like your life is out of control. You've got to come to the place where you admit it and you surrender. Say, God, not my will, but your will be done. You surrender your will and your life to the Lord. There's no substitute for this. There's no substitute for being in God's presence. There's no substitute for an intimate relationship with the Lord. We see this in, as we continue in 1 Kings chapter 19. The Lord said to Elijah, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore through the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and he went out and he stood at the mouth of the cave. And then a voice said to him, what are you doing here Elijah. I think in this passage of Scripture, God is showing us how he speaks. You know, we live in a loud and crazy world. And, and when all of our circumstances are loud, when they're all noisy, 
and we start listening to all the voices out there, it seems like those negative voices can come in and work against us. Those negative voices come in and shout at us and get confusion to just run rampant in our minds, to raise our stress level. And what I'm saying to you today is you need to come to a quiet place. You need to come back to that quiet place because God often whispers in quiet places. And the reason God whispers is because he is close to you. The reason God whispers is because he is close to you. You don't whisper to strangers. You don't whisper to people you barely know. You whisper to your spouse. You whisper to your children. You, you, whisper, you whisper to someone you love and trust. And that's why God whispers to you. You're his child. He loves you. He's not going to shout at you. He's not going to be loud. He's not going to be forceful. But he is going to lead you by this gentle whisper, by this gentle nudging, by this prompting, by this step out, step out. Don't go to the left. Don't go to the right. But wholly follow me. Trust me. It's those gentle whispers. God revealed himself to Elijah in a whisper. While Elijah was in the depth of his depression. And at that moment, he needed to know that God was close to him. God whispers because he's close. Now, when God whispers, you're going to do one of, or two things. First of all, you may pull back. Or you may press in. By pull back, I mean like Elijah, you may want to cover your face because you feel guilty and you feel ashamed and, and you feel found out and all that, and you just want to you just want to pull back. But hear me, when God whispers, don't pull back, don't cover up, don't spiritually disengage. Instead, I want you to press in. In your brokenness, I want you to press in. In your desperation, I want you to press in. In your doubt and frustration, I want you to press into worship. Because worship is the greatest antidepressant available. In Isaiah chapter 53, six, excuse me, in Isaiah chapter 61, verse 3. It says, he'll give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, and the garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness. The garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness. Some of you came in uh, to Stevens Creek today with a spirit of heaviness. It's like that the weight of the world is on you. Maybe the situation you're dealing with at home, maybe the situation at work, maybe the, the sickness that you're dealing with or the sickness of a loved one, it just weighs heavily on you. And you walked into this, this facility today with this weight of heaviness on you. I've got a closet full of garments 
Just like this morning, I reached in the closet and I grabbed this, this, this jacket. This jacket would not help me if I didn't put it on. I've got to do something with it. I've got to put it on. In this passage in Isaiah, it said, there's a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. And what it's saying is when you come in God's presence and you start to raise your hands and you start to praise him and you lift up your voice and you declare that God is good and that God is kind and God is loving and you say, God, thank you for your uh, peace and thank you for your joy. And you come here and you start to offer. And for some of you, it is a sacrifice of praise. In the natural, you don't feel like it. But regardless of what's going on in the natural, you walk in here and say, God, I am going to bless your name. I'm going to praise your name. I'm going to exalt your name. You know what happens? This is what happens. God comes down and God lives in those praises. God inhabits those praises. And once those uh, those praises go up, his presence comes down. Amen. We praise the name of the Lord. We praise the name of the Lord. And when we enter into God's presence, This is what we'll find. We'll find peace and we'll find joy and we'll find rest and we'll find confidence and we'll find his strength and his power. Here's the third thing. I said there's four things. Here's number three. I want you to read the Bible. We're talking about a pathway to get out of the cave. I want you to read the Bible. I want you to meditate on God's word. Meditating on God's word will give you a new perspective. There's something powerful about God's word. Develop some type of habit, some type of daily reading plan or daily listening plan. I'll tell you, we are inundated with all kind of negative news. Just when you think it can't get any worse, somehow it does get worse. And it's like the negative news are just filling up our minds. But there's something powerful about God's word. It comes in and it washes our minds clean. If you're dealing with the negativity of the world, wash your mind with God's word and allow it to move through you and to cleanse out your thinking. You may read God's word, and I want you not just to read it, just to check it off, but to read it and to think about it. Maybe it's one verse, and you just think about that verse. You mull over that verse. You meditate on that verse. You chew on that verse, and you just think about it and let it become a part of you. And you know what? When that word gets in you, it has a way of speaking peace. It has a way of bringing calmness to your anxious situation. This past week, I was in my daily reading, and I was, happened to be reading through the book of Proverbs. And I read Proverbs chapter 12, verse 25. It says, anxiety in the heart of man causes depression. Anxiety in the heart of man causes depression, but a good word makes it glad. A good word. We need a good word. We need a good word to wash away the negative voices in our mind and the negative voices that that lead us to a place of anxiety and lead us down a very dark path. You see, because our feelings will follow our thoughts. 
So it is so important that we think good thoughts. And when you allow those negative words to take root in your mind, it will take you down a dark path. A dark path where you will, those negative voices will say, you know, you don't have what it takes. You're not who people think you are. You'll never get out of this situation. You're never going to get better. Those voices over and over. If you've ever heard those voices, then you know exactly the voices that Elijah was listening to. But then, in the midst of his depression, God spoke through his word. Then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Now, let's pause and just acknowledge that God knew why he was there. But he wanted to show Elijah that Elijah, your feelings that you are feeling are lying to you. Feelings can lie to you, and this is what was happening. Elijah said, oh, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites, God, have rejected your covenant. They've torn down your altars. They put your prophets to death with the sword. Ah, yes, me, I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. Those negative voices in Elijah's mind said, you're, you're all alone. You're all alone. This is, this is, nobody cares about you. Nobody's here to help you. And here Elijah saying, I'm all alone. I'm left to do this by himself. None of that is true. None of that is true. There were hundreds of other prophets doing God's work at this time. And all of them were faced with the same situation. They were faced with a government that was trying to stop the word of God in their community. King Ahab and, King, and Queen Jezebel came against the work and move of God. And they were doing everything possible to stop it. And so all of them were working and facing this situation. But Elijah's negative thoughts brought on these feelings and these wrong feelings in his mind uh, that he started to embrace that. It just simply was not true. if, If we're not careful, we'll do the same thing. We'll allow the negative voices to drown out the voice of truth. We need the voice of truth in us speaking to us. We've got to reset our thinking. How do you reset your thinking? Now, most scholars believe that Elijah at this point was standing on the same mountain, Mount Horeb, Sinai, where God gave Moses the Ten Commandments. Let me repeat that. Elijah is standing on the very place where God had already spoken. Standing on God's word recalibrates my mind and my feeling. It helps change my focus. It helps me see what is true about me and what is true about my situation. So how do you get out of a cave? One verse at a time. It may not happen overnight, but I'm just saying one verse at a time. Let the word of God call you out of the cave. Let the word of God lead you out of the cave. I said there's four things. Here's the fourth and final one. I want you to uh, return to your purpose. You'll find meaning by getting to know God and helping other people. Return to your purpose. You've got a purpose in your life. God created you for a purpose. 
I want you to return to your purpose because I believe you're going to find meaning. You're going to find meaning by getting to know God and by helping other people, by serving. The more you get to know God, the more you're going to understand his ways and the ways of his wisdom. And the more you're going to understand meaning of life and the purpose of your life. Too many, stru- too many people struggle with their lives because their lives have no meaning. They've lost their purpose. Look, living is more than about surviving. It's about finding significance and significance of what we uh, are called to do. And at this moment in Elijah's life, God is calling him back to his purpose. Notice this in verse 15. Then the Lord said to him, go back the way you came. Go to the desert of Damascus. And when you get there, anoint Hazel king over Aram. Anoint Jehu, king over Israel. Anoint Elisha uh, to succeed you as prophet. Notice this. The most powerful thing that is happening here is God is pointing Elijah toward his calling. Even though he's not cured. Elijah didn't have to wait for a clean bill of health to start moving toward his purpose and start serving the Lord. He is still in recovery. He is still in recovery, and God is saying to him, I've got a purpose for your life. I've got a plan for your life. Some of you are still in recovery, and I just want you to hear the voice of the Lord that God has a purpose and God has a plan for you. I know you're still battling, but that doesn't mean you can't be a blessing. I know you're still fighting, but that does not mean that you can't be fruitful. You may feel disqualified, but let me say this. You are not disqualified. God has a plan for your life. And your recovery starts with being honest. Your recovery starts with saying, God, I admit that I've sinned and I've fallen short and I need your power. I need your forgiveness. I need your power, which is a power greater than myself. You've heard the phrase, feeling blue before. I read a couple of weeks ago that that phrase was tied to the, the maritime history. During long sea voyages, ships would sometimes sell off course from their familiar bearings, and typically because the sea captain had died or had been killed. So when they approached an unknown or unscheduled port, the sailors would lift up a a blue flag, or maybe they would paint, paint a blue banner across the front of the boat. And this would signal to those on shore that they had lost their captain and they'd lost their way. Today, some of you are lost. You're drifting. You're off course. And recovery for you begins by raising a flag. Recovery begins by saying, I need help. You may think you're hopeless, you may think you're unworthy. You may think you're too old or maybe you are too young. 
You may think you're too bad, or you may think you're too good, or you may think you don't even need God, but hear me, you do. It doesn't matter what you've done or where you've come from. What matters is where you're going. God wants you to come home today. To those of you who are drifting away, to those of you that have been hiding out in a deep, dark place, it's time for you to step out into the presence of the Lord. It's time for you to come home. In a few minutes, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And I believe that people all across our campuses today are going to ask Jesus Christ to be the leader and the Lord of their lives. And Jesus is going to lead you to him and to your purpose. And he's going to lead you to a place of peace. Are you ready to pray? Now, as we pray, I just want you, wherever you are, some of you will be accepting Christ today. Others of you, when I talked about that you came in and it was like this spirit of heaviness on you, it was like you perked up. How does he know that? It was the Lord putting that in this message because he wants you to have a garment of praise instead of a spirit of heaviness. And so when we go through this prayer, this is more than just a prayer that we listen to as we get ready to close out the service. This is a prayer where we say, God, speak to me. In our Grovetown campus, say, God, speak to me. In our South campus, say, God, speak to me. Those watching online and on demand, say, God, right where I am, would you speak to me? Would you release your presence? Would you release your power in my life? Would you help me? Help me. That could be the most powerful prayer that any of us pray today. That we would come to the place where we would just admit it that we need help. That we would admit it that we need help. Some of you are are trying to manage an addiction. And you keep moving forward and falling backward. It is time for you to admit that you need help. You need help. We believe that there's help in this house. But we've got to come to the place where we admit and we surrender to the Lord. As we pray this prayer, I just want you, all of us, to say, God, I receive what you have for me. And just receive what God has for you today. You ready to pray? Father, I pray over this wonderful congregation and I just ask that you would move upon us across our campuses that your presence would be so strong in the rooms that we could sense your presence and I pray Lord first of all for those people that have never made a decision to follow Jesus that today is that day and so if that's you just cry out say Jesus help me say that say Jesus help me Pray this. Say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Pray this. Say, Jesus, make me into the kind of person that
that you want me to be. I give you my life. I surrender to you. I give you my past. I trust you with my future. Save me. Pray this. Say, Jesus, fill me with your spirit. Give me your peace. And Father, I not only pray for those, but Lord, I pray for those that have this spirit of heaviness. I pray in the name of Jesus that you would start to part the clouds over their life. I pray, God, that you would help them walk out of the cave. I pray, God, that you would move in their lives even now, Lord. Bring peace. Bring contentment. God, reduce their anxiety. Reduce their stress. God, get them out of this depression. God, bring healing to their bodies. So those of you that are struggling with some type of pain, maybe it's a back pain, maybe it's a knee pain, I pray in the name of Jesus that healing would flow through your body. To those of you that are struggling with headaches, it is like you have migraine headaches and they will come and they will hit you for an extended time and then you'll get through that, but then they're coming back. I pray in the name of Jesus that healing would flow in your life and it would give you relief from this uh, ongoing condition. God, have mercy upon us today. And as your church, we are praying this. God, we receive, say this, we receive what you have for me. Say that. Say, God, I receive what you have for me. And we pray this in the strong name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen, amen, and amen. God bless you today. Thanks for listening. If you would like to help support the ministries of Stevens Creek Church, please go to StevensCreekChurch.com and click the Give button. See you next time.